Bueller. Are you better off than you were four years ago? I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Shall we play Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Come back with me to the 1980s and the roller coaster ride that was my high school experience. I lived a John Hughes life, and some of the celebrity vocal talent I've assembled to take you on this journey helped to give us all that 80s good time vibe. The names have been changed to protect the not so innocent. Now, we begin work here at 8.30. That's the time to begin this business of keeping a job. And that's the time Bob Anderson began work every day. We could depend on him to be on time and to do his work on time. You might call him an eager beaver. But look at it from the employer's point of view. Wouldn't you like to have Bob working for you? Dependability is one of the main keys to keeping a job and getting ahead. Now, dependability includes a willingness to work. Tony got me a dishwasher job where she worked. They hired at 15 and paid under the table. It sucked for a number of reasons, but her loser boyfriend, Eddie, would drop in and they'd argue from time to time. That douchebag was not in her league. Eddie knew it. She didn't. Now, I always wanted a job at the mall cinemas. I couldn't take Tony and Eddie fighting, and I really hated washing dishes, so I left that dishwashing job for McDonald's. I have no idea why, but even though they hired me, I got the feeling my two managers just didn't like me. My very first day on the job, I got to bike into the restaurant to blacktop the entire parking lot, just myself, in July. I woke up at 3.30 a.m., bike five miles in the dark to get handed these giant brushes and buckets of black driveway sealer. I was told to leaf blow the lot and get to work. A week or so later, having been given the tour of the grill area, I found huge bags of discarded food, perfectly fine. They were in the freezer. And the only crime was is that they sat too long in the warmers and they were to be thrown out. When I proposed taking those frozen bags myself to the local soup kitchen, I was told I would be fired if one chicken nugget went anywhere but the dumpster outside. This is how not to be dependable. How not to cooperate with the company and with your fellow workers in your own and other departments. The final straw was a rainy day with three buses of people packing the restaurant. I guess I was a little slow shooting ketchup or mustard on these trays of burgers. We had these big caulk gun-like things, and you shot a dollop up and down the rows of buns and hamburgers plopping mustard or ketchup onto the buns. The one manager ripped that gun from my hand, all spastic and frantic as, as if the fate of the world rode on getting these goddamn burgers done. I laughed at how crazy she was acting as she shot the ketchup with huge, exaggerated, dramatic moves. That's how you do it, Chris. I replied that it was just burgers and none of the people out in that lobby looked like they were starving. With that, I threw the gun down, tossed my paper hat on the floor and walked out. Fuck you, golden arches. As long as times are good, there'll be jobs for fellows who just barely do enough to get by. But to keep a job when the going gets rough, 
you need to insure your job. Make yourself so valuable your employer can't let you go. I biked across the highway to the mall and walked up to the cinema box office and asked for an application. The girl in the box called the manager down. He was this Bob Ross dude in, in a dark suit, cigarette hanging impossibly from the corner of his mouth and seemed like he hadn't slept in 10 years. He glanced at my application. When can you start? Now. I rolled out of one job and right into my dream job of working at the movie theater. It would be free movies, free posters, and it was a cool job because everyone loves movies. This looks all right. Tell me, why are you interested in this job? I need a steady job, Mr. Wiley, with a chance to go places. I see. That night, I got this shift from my mom at the dinner table. You stick with this theater job. And that's it, because you're driving this fall, and if you think for one minute we're paying for your insurance, you've got another thing coming. When you are stopped for a red light, wait until the green light comes on. Then look before you start. Don't be a signal jumper. Easing or jumping your car ahead into the intersection on the yellow light can cause serious collisions. The yellow light warns the driver that the traffic light colors are about to change. It means clear the intersection. When you see this light, you should slow down and stop your car, if you can do so without danger to other cars behind you. My stepdad wanted me to learn stick shift. You never know when you'll need it, he'd say. And Tony offered to teach me stick with her new car. She just started driving that summer before 11th grade. She was either going to use the money she saved for a trip with the French class to Paris or buy a car. Well, she bought the car. A tiny, sporty 1973 Datsun. She let me drive around town, her hand on mine, showing me how to shift, explaining the importance of balancing the clutch, all the things kids nowadays wouldn't know or maybe even wouldn't be able to handle. Now remember, hills are all about balance. Just give enough gas and ease on the clutch to keep the car still. And then she touched my knee. I ascended this big old Ford LTD in front of us, right by the McDonald's where I used to work. This fat guy got out of the car as, as traffic backed up behind us and, and he came to the back of his car. I'm so sorry, sir. It, it's my fault. No damage. Your car's a tank. He's learning stick, sorry. Thank you. She yanked me back to her car, sending me to the passenger side, and she drove us the hell out of there. Don't ever say it's your fault in an accident, even if it is. Let the cops figure that out. You kissed bumpers. That's it. Let's go. Back at her house, it was awkward. We pulled into her parking lot and sat there, car idling. The song True by Spandau Ballet came on the radio. She leaned over and kissed me. We just kissed bumpers. What was that for? <laughs> I wanted to know. We're friends. We'll always be great friends. Are you going to tell Eddie? About the car? No. When it was over, I sat there staring at her for how long I fantasized about that moment. And then... It was done. We're not ready for that kind of attachment, are we? But we can still have a lot of fun, can't we? Sure we can. It was like kissing my sister. Not that I had a sister or would have kissed my sister like that. Today's term would be friend-zoned. But it was more than that. 
It just wasn't a love connection, even though I wanted it to be. But I loved her like hell. It just wasn't going to be a romantic thing. You just haven't been around enough to know what love really is. Believe me, it's nothing like the slush they give you in the movies. Our junior year was about to begin, and I was going to take office as the new junior class president. I had a job at the movie theater. I was turning 16 and ready to drive. I got to kiss Tony that summer. Things were finally starting to look up. Your personality is the way you affect other people. Think about that. The way you affect other people. The summer of 83 at the movies gave us Superman 3, Psycho 2, Cujo, and Jaws 3D. I'm telling you, the one I wrote in 1978 in 6th grade was better. I got elected junior class president and I was lucky enough to work with my incoming vice president, Yoshimura. Yosh was Japanese-American, and our boss at the theater, Mr. H, quickly nicknamed him Banzai. Mr. H called me Chrissy, which I hated, and he knew it, which is why he fucking called me Chrissy. Yosh had this Mr. Spock-like analytical side to his personality, but on the flip side, he was funny as hell, and he had a terrific sense of humor. He loved jazz, was drum major in the band. That's right, Yosh was a band fag. And now, he was my vice president and soon-to-be partner in crime. I got him the job with me at the theater that summer. I loved working with him, but we both loved working with Calvin. Calvin liked to be called Cal, for short. And the guy rarely talked, so I quickly dubbed him Silent Cal, which was President Calvin Coolidge's nickname. God damn, I was a nerd. Mr. H, however, did not give Cal a nickname. Maybe it had something to do with Cal being a six-foot-five black guy and built like a football linebacker's brick shithouse. Mr. H always respectfully addressed Cal as Calvin and nothing else. How's it going, Cal? Chillin', Master Chris. Chillin'. Cal's nickname for me, the skinny white dork, was Master Chris. That's what he used to say, Master Chris. He always got this amused small smile when he said it. If you want a picture of what it was like with me being friends with Cal, picture those old Looney Tunes cartoons with the big bulldog chomping on a cigar and a bowler hat and sweater walking along looking straight ahead while this little yapper dog bounced all over to get the bulldog's attention, yipping, we're pals, right Spike, right? That was Cal and I. One night, Yosh pointed out that Butch and his girlfriend were at the box office about to buy tickets. Hey, there's Butch. I stopped the cashier from selling Butch and his girl the tickets and waved him inside the theater. They were my guests. That's right. I had the power to grant them free passage into their movie. Moments later, Mr. H came downstairs from his office and summoned me. I thought he saw me let Butch in for free, but we were told we could have guests as long as we didn't abuse the privilege. They were my first guests. I couldn't be in trouble, could I? Mr. H's small office was filled with cigarette smoke and stank of old coffee. His desk was buried under papers, and he constantly played this shitty, generic organ music. It was like being with a depressed Dr. Fives. He pointed to an orange chair next to his desk, and I sat down. He talked with a cigarette affixed to the corner of his mouth, ash in his scraggly beard. 
Why didn't you say that you weren't 16? I didn't? Well, I, I thought... I should fire you. One, because you lied. Two, because you lied. My birthday's in two weeks. <sighs> You'll work one night a week and the matinees until you turn 16. Happy birthday. Get out. I was laid off for two weeks. Two weeks without a paycheck. Two weeks of my mother verbally bludgeoning me about car insurance. You stick with this theater job. And that's it, because you're driving this fall, and if you think for one minute we're paying for your insurance, you've got another thing coming. Fortunately, there were some lawns to mow before fall, and, and I could make up some of that money over my two-week hiatus from the theater. However, I still did not have a plan to raise money for our prom and catch our class up to where it should be. The first day of school, my first day in office, was only three weeks away. You see the way to improve your personality? To improve the way you affect other people and the way other people affect you?